You are listening to the Art Wonk Podcasts, a show where we take a deep dive into what it takes to be successful in marketing if you are a visual artist or craftsperson. We will explore how the art world works as well as how to better achieve your professional goals. I am Neville Park, your host and resident Art Wonk. So settle in and join me as we get today's show underway. This is episode 30, Time to Quiz the Wonk. Listeners' Questions, part 2. Yay! Hey everyone, hey, welcome into this episode of The Art Wonk. This is number 2 in our Quiz the Wonk question and answer series. We're looking at questions that were sent to theartwonk at gmail.com, our email address, uh, by people who either wanted clarification or who weren't happy that I'd missed something, or they had a specific they were working on. So this is the second in that show, and if you happen to listen to the other episode and enjoy it, hope that you hit the like button, or whatever it is that you're meant to hit when you're in uh, Apple iTunes, or Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you're on. I'm trying really hard to stretch our exposure and get more people knowing about the, the podcast, I think the Art Wonk is a valuable tool for some, and I would love it if you'd make sure that your friends know that we're out here, and that if you don't get the answers you're looking for, that you give me an opportunity to help. Uh, you know, I, I understand I don't have all the answers, and obviously this is one man's view, but it's a chance to at least test some of your own theories. I find when somebody says something you disagree with, it can be far more helpful than if they say only things you agree with. Because that challenge, that thing where you go, oh, I'm not so sure about that, that makes you think about what are you responding to? Why does that feel wrong? So anyway, on with this. Oh, by the way, this is going to be a different show to normal because I've got four questions and then I'm going to have a rant. I've not done that before, 30 episodes, and I've not lost my rag or got really uptight or whatever, but right about now, my boxes are bunched and, and my knickers are in a twist, whatever the term you want to use. Uh, there's been something that was actually uh, partly inspired by a question and then a piece of press that came along that related to it. And I thought, yeah, I've got a voice. I should be using my voice. I don't want to be political or, or annoying. But the point being that this is not just for me to have a rave, but I'm going to. Anyway, hang around for that. So getting underway, number one for the show today is a question from somebody that reads. Lovely lady sent me a question saying, Dear Wonk, I have friends in my local community who are artists like I am, and they seem to always be in the press, but I cannot get any press coverage. Can you help me? Well, specifically getting you some press coverage, no, I can't. But I can help you maybe look at what's going on there. So let's break this whole thing down. First off, if it's the same people over and over again, they've obviously established a relationship with the local paper or the press that you're talking about. So let's assume it's the paper. Do they have a designated art reporter and have you introduced yourself to them? So some people are lucky enough to have family that get them connections, and that will happen in any town and any place in the world. But 
most of those people can't just write about the same ones over and over again. They've got to find other things. So if you have a designated art reporter and you haven't introduced yourself to them, I would suggest you do. And that should not be onerous or complicated. It's a case of ringing them up and saying, hi, this is me. I am here. I think what I'm doing would be interesting to your readers. Can I send you an information pack? And an information pack is really simple. Three or four paragraphs that kind of outline what you are about, who you are, what you do. Um, so I, I paint in acrylics and I do large scale paintings of the underside of ants, whatever it is. And you need to have your contact details on that and a couple of good quality photos included. Now, if you've got an event coming up, you can then follow that up with a, um, we think that this event would be really interesting because, and give them a, a bit of a pointer towards the angle that you'd like the story to run on. These are people who have to fill a paper either every day or every week. And it's a job to fill a paper every day or every week. After a while, you go through all the easy options and it gets harder and harder. So if you provide them with another easy option, which I suspect is what those other artists are doing, they're giving them heads up and they're giving them a chance to actually find an easy story that's well-resourced. That can make a massive difference. And bear in mind, you are dealing with people. It's not a newspaper. It's an editor, it's a journalist, it's a photographer, they're people. So don't look at it only in what the paper can do for you. Look at it, what you're doing for the readership. What are you doing for the paper? Some examples may involve you needing to buy advertising. Have you seen whether or not those other artists actually are having small ads that they're paying for in the paper? It might be their way in. So keep in mind that there's a lot of ways going forward, but if you offer solutions and you make yourself known, and you generate a small press pack that involves a couple of really good pictures, one of you, and a couple of your artwork, and involves a small profile that explains what you're doing and why, and contact details. That can be valuable for somebody who's looking to fill a couple of column centimeters in a paper, who's just had a story that they were planning on not come through. So that's how I'd go about it. Uh, by the way, if you're dealing with magazines, they have very different types of timelines and are more likely to want to talk about things if it's not a specific event, then they're going to want to frame it in terms of seasonality because magazines sit around longer. So keep your contact with them more generalized. If it is about an event, I think you'll find they're still more likely to want to write about the participants than the event. So, you know, have a think about who their readers are and what they're trying to portray uh, in their publication. Is it hard-hitting, in-detail news? Is it general, you know, community news? And then format it accordingly. Number two. This one's a hard one. I'm not sure how to tackle this one, but it reads, I'm shy when it comes to talking about my artwork. Any suggestions? I mean, even the, the brevity of the statement tells you a lot. I'm shy when it comes to talking about my artwork. Any suggestions? Okay, well, let's break this down. Why are you shy? Most people are shy because they're scared of rejection. And I can understand that, especially with my artwork. I'm, I have an emotional connection. So it can be tricky talking about your artwork. The question is, are you shy about talking about your artwork or are you just shy talking to people? And that's where it gets harder to understand from your question. 
If you're shy about talking to people, then that's a problem that I'm sure you've dealt with for a while because it's not something that just comes out of the blue for most of us. And look, I've struggled with shyness. Uh, I actually sabotaged a chance to win an award at school because I was petrified of getting on the stage. I think we've all got different issues when it comes to feeling judged or the fear of being inadequate or whatever. But when it comes to talking about your artwork, that's something that I feel you have no need to be shy about. See, I've been a salesman pretty much all my life in one form or another. In the last 26 years, I've been selling art. And selling art isn't about actually you know trading money for things it's about building relationships and it's about sharing and the one thing that i've learned above all others when it comes to selling is product knowledge is king the more you know about the artist the artwork in question and the reason between you know the artist making it and why it's there and why you're selling it you know everything that you can possibly know makes you so much more comfortable when it comes to sharing and talking about it. There's no question they can throw at me, I don't know, so I'm feeling pretty good. Now, nobody knows your artwork, your processes. Nobody knows your inspiration. Nobody knows your inner dialogue. Nobody knows those things better than you do. So if there's ever anything that you should put your shyness aside for, it is your artwork. You've got this. This is a good thing to actually do. If you don't want to talk about yourself, I, I understand that part, but you can still talk about the artwork. So some people will talk about their inspiration and they'll talk about you know, the story of how they were driving over the hill on the way to the beach when they saw the scene as the sun kissed the hill from... You get it. Well, those people are talking often about a whole lot of things with them at the beginning and then nothing else. It's not about them. It's about the hills and, and the scenery and the light. You just have to work out how to pull yourself out of it. So you can talk about the technical elements that are there. You can talk about the construction. You can talk about the inspiration. Just don't use words like I and me. And you'll find, I think, that it's not actually that hard. Uh, do you find it easy enough to talk to other people about other people's artwork? Create a non-diplume. Give the artwork a new artist name. And then you can talk all you want about it because it's somebody else. You're not being dishonest. In fact, you can actually start by saying, I paint under this name. And from then on, use that name to describe everything that you want to tell them about you. <laughs> um, I'm not meaning to be flippant, but I think when it comes to shyness, uh, the way you phrase the question leaves it a little hard. But for anyone who struggles to talk about their work, you're not boasting if you're informing. There is an old saying that is, if you are telling, you are not selling. You should be asking and reflecting to sell. So if you're worried that you're sounding like a salesman, ask yourself, am I telling? If I'm sharing and I'm telling people stuff, I'm, I'm not likely to get the sale, but I'm actually also not being a salesman because that's what you should be doing and stopping yourself from, from getting in your own way when you are selling. You shouldn't be doing that. So you can flip that coin. Hope that helps. The next one's a tricky one, uh, as they all have been. But this one I'm a little confused by. It's not confusing, in fact. I'm just not quite sure how to deal with it. So this was written to me quite early on in the series. And it says, Dear Art Wonk, I hate selling. Followed by, I don't trust salespeople and I don't want to be one. But I work in a collective community gallery 
and must work a day a week as part of my agreement. The other artists have started to comment on how bad my day's figures are. Any suggestions? Okay, well, there's a couple of things in there. First off, if it is not in your natural nature to to want to deal with the public and to sell, and you've somehow got yourself there, it might be wise for you to get yourself out of there because you know some things we're good at and some things we're not. So it this could be that you're just really bad at that. That's okay. What other benefits or features can you offer the community group that you're part of in exchange for not doing a day? Do they need somebody to take over the cleaning duties or somebody to take over the accounting duties? Do you have skills in that area? What else might you be able to do? Don't do something that you don't like doing because it's obviously not working for you. But now I want to deal with the bigger picture. Why do you hate salespeople or don't trust salespeople and hate selling? Selling is solving somebody else's problem. Selling is helping. If they've come to the gallery space you're talking about and they're interested in art and they're wanting to to look and to be informed, they will do the buying. You don't have to sell to them anyway. You just have to inform them and be open to accept their money if they want to exchange it for a piece. I don't trust salespeople and don't want to be one. So there's that trust word in there that really intrigues me. I have the feeling that somebody really destroyed your trust at some point by selling you something or somebody you love, something they truly didn't need or want, and probably did it by high pressure or something like that that has meant you've got a natural pushback now. So I'm not meaning to psychoanalyze you. I'm just trying to fill in the gaps for everyone who's listening. But let's look at that. What is a salesperson? You know, A lot of people, when they hear salesperson, they somehow think pushy. In the last couple of weeks, what shops have you been into? How many times have you been pushed? It's not actually as common as you'd imagine. Most people, they have the stereotype of of a smarmy, really poorly suited car salesman sort of following you around the car yard, busy trying to make you buy a car. That's as genuine about salespeople as is the statement that artists need to starve and be anguished and angst-ridden all the time to make good art. I don't like our stereotypes, and I'm pretty sure that car salesmen don't like theirs, but this idea of a pushy salesman's worrying because I don't think it's helpful. You know, if the other artists are all managing to sell, and it looks like that, you're saying the other artists have started to comment on how bad my figures are. So you standing out is not doing what the others are doing. You can ask for help and guidance. Again, as I stated earlier on, product knowledge is key. If you know the artists and you know how they made the work and you know why they made the work, then it's not so hard to sell. You don't have to do any kind of pressure. Uh, And generally speaking, most sales are kind of a surprise to the salesperson as well. You think you've got to do something and then somebody says, yeah, I'll have it. You go, oh, really? (laughs) It, It shouldn't be hard if you're listening. So maybe there's two things we can do for you. One is start trusting salespeople. They can't force you to do anything you don't want to do. If you walk away and... People can always walk away from you. So you're never going to bully somebody into buying. So you won't ever be that person because it sounds like you understand what it's like. So you're going to be a good salesperson if you do it. And remember to ask the right types of questions. Sales is communicating. And 
What you're wanting to do is ask simple questions that will lead you to a result. So let's assume you have no transferable skills that the group wants and you want to stay where you are and you need to just become a better salesperson. Mindset. You are not imposing on the people who are there looking. They expect somebody to help them to understand what they're looking at. That's your job. So be informed. Make sure that you've taken the time to learn about the stuff around you. It makes life a lot easier. Ask open questions. Closed question is something that gets you a simple yes or a no. An open question is something that gets you more. So instead of saying, do you like that? Say, what do you like about that? And if they don't like anything about it, they're likely to say, I don't like anything about it. In which case you can say, so what particularly don't you like? Like, is it too dark, too big? You know, you've got a conversation and you're not being nosy and you're not being pushy to ask questions if you're wanting to take them and show them something else. If you want to start your engagement by saying, would you like to know more about the artist and why they made that piece? That's not selling, is it? That's sharing. If you're building a connection between the person and the artwork and they have the money, they are likely to want to buy it. So make yourself informed. And then the final part that might help you out there is reflective listening. Saying back to people what they just said to you. You can have a whole conversation where the only thing you say is what they've just said. And believe it or not, it works. I hope that helps because I, I really do feel for you that you don't trust salespeople and you hate selling and you found yourself in this position. But you're in a good position. You're surrounded by people who care enough that they're actually interested in making sure sales happen and they've invited you in and they would have done that for one simple reason. You have value. So you just got to find a way of expressing that. Good luck on that one. We're on to question number four. And this one... It's kind of covered by the others. We're, we're on a theme. I held these all together for a reason. And this one just says, Dear Wonk, how do I sell more art? And it's signed, Poor Boy. Well, Poor Boy, how do you sell more art? Is a very, very broad question. And I'd love to be able to help you out with a nice, simple answer. But I'm going to give you a very, very broad answer. Because I don't know how much you're selling now to know how much more. And I don't know where you're selling now. So the best answer I could give to a broad question like that one is quantify your audience. That's how you sell more art. Work out who you're talking to and who you need to be talking to. And then actively focus on them. And do not be overwhelmed, confused, or beguiled by numbers. People have a tendency when they're trying to sell more to think in terms of what more looks like. And very, very often what they do is they present more as being, oh, it's a number thing. Uh, and how does that look? That looks, and uh, we'll take Instagram as an example or Facebook. I've got 6,000 followers, so I should be able to sell more artwork. No, that's bollocks. The people who are following you aren't necessarily, they're, they're not necessarily collectors or customers. They're just people who follow you on Instagram. So don't get trapped in them thinking more is the way to getting more sales. The way to get more sales is to make sure that the few that you're talking with who are interested are getting fulfillment from you and the engagement. So qualify your audience. I've heard this for years. 
oh, I put my stuff in such and such a suburb or I put myself in such and such a place because the people who go there are rich. You've got to think about why are they where they're at, what is their mindset and how will you benefit them from your engagement while you're there. So if all you want is rich people, you should have every bank should be an art gallery because that's where the rich people go, right? Trouble is they're there to deal with financial issues. They're not there to buy art. Where do people go to buy art is your question. And then making sure that your work is available, appropriately priced, appropriately finished, and well presented. So qualify your art market. If you want to sell more art and you've got a gallery that's doing well for you, make sure that you keep them well stocked. You keep your relationship good. You keep your quality high. They will sell more for you. Make sure that if you're dealing with a gallery like that and you want to grow your market, you pick another gallery exactly the same that's doing the same type of thing but in a place far enough away that they don't muck up your market. Qualify, not quantify. That's really important. So there you have it. How do I sell more art? I make sure that the people I'm dealing with are the right people and I'm giving them what they want. I hate selling and I don't trust salespeople. We've worked out that you need to actually see selling differently to obviously how you're seeing it. And you can be a salesperson that you trust. So behave ethically and you'll be fine. I'm shy when it comes to talking about my work. Any suggestions? Talk about the work, not yourself. That's about all I've got on that one, I'm sorry. And getting press coverage. Develop some press kits for your local papers. Make an effort to connect with the people who work in the paper. That's literally what it all comes down to. I'm just a person talking to another person. And that brings me on to my rant. I've been wanting to clear my, ooh, my system for a while on this one. So I got a question from somebody that read along the lines of, why do galleries take so much commission? Oh, that one just rocked me. And I thought, I'm not even going to deal with this one. It's pretty obvious to me why galleries charge a commission. And I thought, no, leave it alone, Nev, because it just gets you wound up. And then I read an article in our local, uh, we, we have here, um, Creative New Zealand produce a, they have a wonderful website which is called The Big Idea, which is an art resourcing website for artists. It covers all the different arts. It is a really incredible tool. And if you don't use The Big Idea, I suggest you do. If you're not from New Zealand and you're listening and you want to have a look, go and have a look at thebigidea.co.nz or .com. It is a really interesting way of getting an overview of what's happening in New Zealand, both political stuff with funding industry jobs, and then just profiling and a chance to connect and get a sense of the bigger community. So I get my weekly newsletter from them in my email. And two weeks ago, I got one that had a feature story all about two young artists from Australia. It wasn't written by the staff of The Big Idea. It was just reproduced. These young artists had decided that they had fallen out of love with their galleries and were basically getting a divorce from them. And the story talked about how you know, going to art school, getting a degree, and then getting a dealer gallery is the ideal pathway. And I didn't agree with that as an ideal, but I agreed with it as a pathway. And I read on, and it then talked about how both of these artists had achieved some success with their galleries. 
but didn't like being told what to do in terms of being expected to produce a certain amount of work and work within a structure and you know, all of the requirements that their deal with their gallery had. Now, I don't know what their gallery's names are, so I have no idea what their style of gallery were, but it looked to me to be that they were dealing with fine art feature galleries and dealer galleries they have to sell, so it looked like it was they were being asked to produce for market. I could even understand that. I could see the value in them wanting to hold themselves back and pick their own career path. And I didn't have a problem with the idea that they had decided to pull away from the gallery because the relationship wasn't working in that sense. Where I really got frustrated was when I read further on and the statement was made that like all relationships that tend to come undone, both of these artists, it was all about the money. And in fact, one of the artists is quoted as saying, they take 100% and then they drip feed you the 50% that's yours. That really frustrated me. One, because I think if the gallery is not paying fast and efficiently, that's not acceptable. And it really pissed me off to read that because I thought, no, that's not on. You know, you've taken the work on consignment. The deal should be that you turn the money over as quickly as you can because the artist has invested up front. But there was that other word in there, they take. And that's what I got from the question. Why do galleries take so much commission? And it, it, it irks me because they don't take a bloody cent. They earn it. This is an exchange. You are, you're actually buying a service off them. And just like your doctor who you pay when you go to the doctors, your plumber who you pay when your toilet doesn't work, your petrol station uh, attendant who you pay to get gas, the person who sells you shoes, the supermarket, every other transaction that you engage in, including all of your art supplies that you use to make art, you pay for. So why would anybody think that they're entitled to be given all of the support, to have their brand and their provenance built, to have their pricing and their market share established and reinforced and validated for free? Now, I know people don't think they should get it for free, but they think 50% is a lot. 50% is the going rate right now because those businesses are speculative businesses who have to pay the rent, who have to pay the rates, who have to pay their staff, who have to pay taxes, who have to keep a whole business running on the off chance that somebody will buy art. And art is a luxury good. It has a tendency to fluctuate really quickly with market. How quickly? If there is a story tomorrow in the newspaper about interest rates maybe going up in six months' time, sales can dry up for a week while people recalculate their disposable income. You will put food and shelter, you'll put transport, you'll even put sporting activities and a whole lot of other things in most households ahead of art. So it's a small niche market with a high, high vulnerability level. And the gallery only gets paid when they make a sale. So they don't take, they earn. And I think that part of our language base, something that art communities do all around the world, is we vilify ourselves. The gallery is the greatest support network for some artists. It's not ideal for all. But when it works, it works brilliantly well in giving you a whole framework so you can literally come out of your spare room and engage with the world 
and not have to have done all of the business of it. The gallery can do that for you if you choose to go that way. So they don't take a damn thing. They earn it and they might hold your work for a year and not make a sale. So when they do make a sale, they've worked at it. And I know a lot of people think selling art's really easy. Well, if it was or is, then I, I really would invite you to open galleries and have a crack. I've got shows, the Art Wonk talks about it, tells you how to do it, but it's not an easy thing to do. One of the questions I fielded that I've answered privately and not even talked about here is should I become an art dealer? And I laid out for that person just how fraught it is as a, um, a business model. Unless you control supply of your own works or something that you can be sure is going to keep showing up, you know, it's, it's a pretty hard, hard industry to go into. So I resent seeing our big art um, support network publishing stories that talk about galleries taking uh, I think that that's a mistake. I think we've got to stop that. It's like talking about our work as sort of something that we're gifted with. We're gifted with a good eye or good motor skills um, and a bit of talent, yes, but most of it's built on by effort, effort and effort. And we need to talk about ourselves that way. So that's my rant. Tried to keep it pleasant. Hope it wasn't too much for you. Uh, I appreciate you tuning in. Now, we're going into the interview phase next, and I can't wait to share this part. So please come back and join us. Until then, take care. See ya. Yay! Hi, everyone. It's Neville here again. Hey, just before I go, I want to remind you that we now have a new email address. It's info at theartwonk.com. Uh, and also theartwonk.com is our website, which we're in the process of getting set up with show notes and follow-up from the shows. So please get in contact us, uh, with us if you have any questions or feedback, uh, especially if you feel that we somehow I glossed over something that's of importance to you. Uh, and yeah, really would enjoy having that, that connection with you as somebody who's trying to be a creative in today's environment. Uh, and let me know if there's stuff that I'm missing out or stuff you'd like to know. So now I'm off to my studio. Happy creating!